Chao. What do you want? In a podcast to you. Gotta talk about Giallo movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you'll have to recognize us. Thanks. However, you disappoint me, duck. You throw a challenge my way. I almost forgot the most important part. We go by Creep, Creeperson, and Chris. And this is Chow Chow Chow. Got it. The harbor, a phone booth sitting right near Pier 11. I'll get out the APB. Move, you bastard. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to this penultimate <laughs> episode. Did you mean to say penultimate? I think that's where I was going at first, but then I changed my mind. I meant like really exciting episode of anyway. Ciao, ciao. Well, yes. Hi, everybody. You know, it has been since um, late December. That we uh, have done anything with this. Uh, that was the last one? Mm-hmm. Fuck. And you and Eric, and we did Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave, and it was right before Christmas. Shit, I didn't know it was then, man. I thought it was like end of January or something. Yeah. So we, we can spend a, probably an hour doing what have you been up to, but... Nothing. I can I can sum it I can sum mine up quickly, but I'm gonna I, I've got uh, I don't have any J and B, but I've got some good old bullet bourbon. So I'm gonna pour it out. I'm gonna pour some on the floor for my homies. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not pouring any of this on the floor. Damn it. Uh, I, so, I got some hot ass brandy. Oh, good. Is it cold where you are? It looks like um, it. It's a little chilly. Yeah. When the sun's out, it's hot. But as soon as the sun goes down, it like is fucking super cold. And you just turned 40. Fuck. No. Yeah, I did. Jesus. Yeah. Don't feel a day when you're 19. So how does 40 feel? 
I feel fine. I just feel a little taller, I guess. There you go. A little taller. Dog. Yeah. Nothing's really going on. I'll be 45 in like two weeks. Really? Yeah. It's scary. So Zoe says that's almost 50. It is. <laughs> the day after my 45th birthday, I'll be closer to 50 than 40, which is really fucking depressing. Yeah. And I'll be pretty close to getting one of those AARP things in the mail. I just want to get old enough to be able to get cheap meals at Denny's. <laughs> that's all I'm have to be for that. I don't know, but that's like the only thing left. Maybe you just look older. Oh no, it's not. That's not the only thing left. Like you can once you get to fifty five, you can you can get cheaper places to live. Like you can get an apartment in a in a fifty five and over only, right? Community. And it's cheaper. Do I wanna do that? Do you wanna do that? Yeah, probably because like I'm not very sociable anyway. So if I move into a, a – I probably don't. Do they have golf carts? I might go for the golf carts. When I'm 55, that means my kids will be 16 and 19. So oh, I'll, I'll still be dealing with you know that early adulthood deal. Yeah, well, I just had to have a conversation with my daughter about queefs. um life is awful so were those the words you were using is that look it up in the book it's it doesn't say is it called a queef she used it and it was like oh stab you right in the heart yeah (laughs) it was awful but um, for those of you who may have watched the video from last time of us talking, um, and and apologies to the to the uh, Facebook group, I didn't think I really wanted to broadcast that we were going live tonight. I wanted uh, this episode to kind of um, drop for everybody who uh, listens to us and have everybody at the same time kind of be in on it. Yeah. But, um, I don't even know if I'll publish the video. I may just turn it into an audio. But at any rate, um, the last few times that we've done this, my backdrop was uh, different. I was living at my mother's house, um, and I was living there part-time. And now I'm back in my house full-time uh, because my soon-to-be ex-wife is not living here anymore. Oh, my gosh. He moved out uh, in the beginning of January. And uh, I didn't really talk about it in any of our previous um, podcasts and or uh, hangouts um, because, you know, everything was still up in the air. But when I was at my mom's, it was basically because we were switching back and forth between who was living here um, so that the kids could stay in one place uh, until we figured out what we were really going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, it has been uh, a crazy three months. Um, yeah. But really, it's the tail end of a crazy two years, which I just basically didn't, you know, lead on to anyone that that was going on. So yep. uh, it sucks. Um, there's no way around the fact that it sucks. 
I'm trying to um, look at the bright side and enjoy the aspects of this life change that are positive, which is that, you know, on a Wednesday night um, and I don't have, and I work from home on Thursdays, I can stay up till one in the morning and drink bourbon and uh, play my guitar as loud as I want and uh, watch family guy, you know, on, on a, on an infinite loop on Hulu until I pass out. Um, at any rate, um, <clears throat> I haven't been doing much Jallo. I did uh, post to the group very recently that uh, we were going to get things moving again, or at least try to. Um, I spent a good amount of time watching all of the best picture nominees for this Oscar season. Um, I didn't watch much Jolly because I was watching all those films. And then, you know, to be quite honest, there were many, many nights when I was just not really interested in doing anything but just watching something stupid. And that ended yeah. up being Family Guy most of the time. <laughs> I caught up on all the Family Guy. Like 16 freaking seasons of Family Guy. Has it really been that many? Yeah, and, you know, I lost um, about season eight or nine and stopped watching. And I went back because I thought it was going to be a jump the shark scenario like The Simpsons. Like, eventually, The Simpsons weren't funny anymore. Um, but Family Guy is still funny for some reason. Like, I still continue to put stuff out that makes me laugh. So, yeah. I just but you know, I, the thing I was gonna, the thing I was going to tell you, and maybe we can segue uh, into what, what you're what you're up to these days. Every time I see Paperback Junkie, I get the song Paperback Writer by the Beatles in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I see, a, you know, a creep posts something else, and I say, and I want to Paperback Junkie. Paperback junkie. So, so what's paperback junkie been up to? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I've been making less videos, um, on YouTube and writing more. And that's about it. Really. I've just been writing a lot. Um, since we've talked, one of the films I made, which is not super, um, but it was fun to make, uh, came out on Amazon. Oh, cool. And um, when I made it, it was called Finger Bang. And then they changed it to another superhero movie. Um, and it's got like Ron Jeremy in it. So that's fun. Um, oh, my God. That's great. But um, yeah, it's really low budget, but it's a really fun movie if you get a chance to check it out. Um, how, did you, how did you manage to get Ron Jeremy in the movie? Um, we used to kind of hang out a little bit, and wow. um, he's cool. been in quite a few of my things. Um, he's a lot of fun, and he's like a really, really intelligent dude when it's just like you and him or you and a couple dudes. But if you get some girls around, it's like a bunch of dick jokes and stuff. (laughs) All the, all the intelligent stuff goes out the window. So they're calling it another superhero movie. I see finger bang lady Goldfist. Yeah. And I play, I play the evil Goldfist. 
The guy on the front cover, that's not you. Um, none of the people on the cover are in the movie. Are in the movie. <laughs> For some, like, we gave them all the artwork, but all the artwork said finger bang. Okay. So I guess they couldn't um, change the title without destroying the artwork. So they just went and got other people to um, be in the artwork. It's fucking ridiculous, but that's low budget fucking filmmaking, man, right there. Kaplooey. Yeah. But listen, man, you're, you're listed here in uh, IMDB and uh, we could actually, we could actually put your film up on Cinemageddon because one of the criteria is that it doesn't have enough. Oh no, wait a minute. It does. It's got, you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't go on Cinemageddon. The, the Why? Rules, the rules are um, it, you can't post onto Cinemageddon if it has a certain amount of uh, votes. If it's over a certain amount of votes or if it has a rating that's higher of a, than or of something or I can't remember. Like, they'll, they'll basically just cut it from uh, their... Well, how many votes are on it? It can't be good. Uh, 483. Wow. It's got a what six, is it like a one star? It's got a six point eight out of ten, dude. Nice. Yeah, That's and pretty awesome. It says that the movie was released in twenty eleven. So it it was done in twenty eleven and it played a festival. Okay. And then um we never did anything else with it. Oh wow. But that was one yeah. of the that was one of the twelve movies that I gave to this company to distribute, and that's the first one that's come out. So, um, but is Cinemageddon even around? I tried going on there a while ago, and it was not there. Yes, Cinemageddon is alive and well, and we never really mentioned it before. But this kind of being uh, our our swan song, we'll we'll mention it now. Cinemageddon is a is a private torrent tracker. Um, I have given out all of my invites. I think I only got five uh, in my lifetime. So um, if anybody's listening to this and you decide to, to petition me for an invite, I'm, I can't do it. I don't have any. Um, but basically, once you get an invite and get in, um, any film that kind of flies under the radar, whether it be because it's bad or because it's unpopular or because it's foreign, uh, you could pretty much find there. They have lots of Jolly. They have lots of uh, Pliciotesco. Kung Fu. Films, Kung Fu. Black exploitation. Yeah, 70s porn. It's basically like my, like, anything you could possibly imagine that I would like. Mm-hmm. That site is pretty much. And it actually, last time I checked, there was like three or four of my movies on there. Oh, so cool. that was kind of fun. There you go. And some of them I haven't even seen yet, so I keep meaning to download them. Well, well, the thing <laughs> you haven't seen half of the movie, you haven't seen some of the, of your own movies, so yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, I, I haven't I hadn't been on cinema again in a while, and I got the bug to start watching Jolly again, and I went and looked around on the web for some of the movies that I hadn't seen yet, and I realized that a whole shitload of Blu-rays had come out since the last time I had been on Cinemageddon. So the most recent one that I got from Cinemageddon 
the the Blu-ray release of Amok, which I really, really wanted because um, that movie is gorgeous looking and not just because of the girls that are in it, but just in general, it's a really good looking film. But the version that I watched, which was like a four by three aspect ratio that was that came from a, a VHS copy, um, was pretty shitty. But yeah. Um, I took a, uh, I watched the first 10 minutes of this, um, the Blu-ray release and it's fantastic. It's amazing. I don't know, man. So I have to go back and watch that one again. I kind of like things looking like shit. Yeah. See, I don't, I mean, I don't, (laughs) I, I think that there are, there are a few films in, in the canon, at least the ones in the canon that we've covered that kind of looked like it, they suffered from the eyeball upgrade release. Eyeball is not going to be one of those. I haven't seen, I have not gotten a chance to see the new eyeball um, transfer, which I know I think came out very, not very long ago, but That's maybe this month it might've come out and it's only in German language, I think so. Um, but yeah, I I went in and, and for, for all of our, for all of our listeners, I, I want to plug a YouTube channel called Jalo Realm. Um, the, the way that I discovered this particular channel was, um, about over the, the, over last weekend, I think it was, I decided to watch the sweet body of Deborah which we may talk about a little bit tonight. Yeah, we will. Did Are you sure we haven't done that on here before? No, but I'm pretty sure that you watched it before. Yeah. And like when I was watching, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. No, I don't, we never covered it in a full episode. We talked about it before because we did a lot of those, um, a lot of those films with, uh, what's her face? Carol and, Baker, Carol Baker and Jean. Oh man. I, Luke Picard. <laughs> um dude why did you say that i totally fuck what what did i say no i knew what his name was as you were talking and now i can't say it oh <laughs> john sorrell fuck man so like there was a there was a umberto lenzi movie with the two of them in it and there was also some other Umberto Lenzi movies with Carol Baker and there were some other giallos that had Jean Sorel in them. And so um, when I saw this one, I said, let me watch it. And I really liked it. And I don't know if it's because I haven't watched a jolly in a while. Um, Well, it hits like almost every single thing on the score. It it doesn't though. It's, it's, it got a terrible score, but I know exactly what you mean. It, It feels like, when I was watching this, I'm looking at it and going, "This is really the gateway drug between the the between the proto Jolly, yeah, and what came after because um, Luciano Martino and Sergio Martino had something to do with the production, I think, um, and I think Ernesto Gastaldi had something to do with writing, and we have um, our good friend, uh, the guy who plays. Um, Ah, shit, this is terrible. I can't, I can't remember. I can't rem- oh, George Hilton is in it, right. 
Uh, I totally forgot about that. And um, the guy, the guy who um, let me bring it up on uh, IMDb. Does that will make more sense? Um, oh my god, that's so hot! Ow! What happened? Oh, I just um, boiled a kettle, and um, the water is like burning parts of me inside. That's not good. Oh, so Luigi Pistilli, he's in it. Um, as well as Evelyn Stewart. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne. So it's, it, it's kind of almost like the, the bridge between the old and the new. Yeah. And when I was watching it, I was reminded of some of the stuff that Lindsay did with paranoia or orgasmo or whatever you want to call it. Cause it had a million different names um, with Carol Baker and just that whole weird kind of, thing where basically the movie didn't have much of a plot except hey let's try to drive her crazy i don't know like i feel like it almost had too much plot but you mean, with like you mean sweet body or or the old yeah or are you talking about um orgasmo yeah like those old those yeah. old Lindsay ones with carol baker um like they didn't, they didn't have much, like they weren't very jolly esque. Right. Yeah. Um, and this one is definitely more like that. It's got more of a convoluted plot and there's some guessing, uh, as to, you know, what's going on and who's responsible for what and, uh, and so on. And, uh, anyway, it, the whole reason I started talking about this is we're off on a tangent and it's probably the bourbon talking already, but uh, the whole reason we're talking about this is because Jalo Realm, the YouTube channel, if you go there, they have an amazingly pristine copy of this film. And I'm still trying to figure out where it came from because I went on Cinemageddon and Cinemageddon has a copy of Sweet Body of Deborah from a Blu-ray release. And it's only in Italian and I think German language. So that's not it because the one on YouTube is in English. But the one on YouTube is complete. It's the best. It's, you know, it's the complete aspect ratio. It's a complete it's film. Beautiful. And it looks really good. And it looks like it's from a Blu-ray. So I'm still trying to find. And if anybody out there has the answer to this, and if Jalio, if, if Jalo Realm because um, I'll I'll send the the proprietors of Giallo Realm um, a quick uh, message to say that we talked about them in this podcast. If they have any, if the person responsible can give us a clue as to where this particular release comes from, or maybe it's one of those fan things where they took, you know, they took the the English language dub from a different release and dubbed it. I mean, is it possible that the DVD is just really good looking? It, when I watch it on YouTube, it's got a 720p resolution, and it definitely looks better than your standard DVD. So yeah, um, I so again, I don't know where it comes from, but for all of you guys listening, if you go to Jalo Realm uh, YouTube channel and click videos, you will see that beginning. Um, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see the very. F- First film that they uploaded was about a couple of months ago. There's a lot of jolly on this channel and it's all good quality. And it's some of the ones that we all know, $5 for an August moon, all the colors of the dark, uh, torso, 
Death Walks at Midnight, Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, uh, Slaughter Hotel, um, and some that are a little bit more obscure, like uh, Death Carries a Cane. Um, uh, let's see, Deadly Inheritance, which I just started watching recently, actually, uh, the last couple of days. Um, Eye of the Labyrinth. And I. Because it's the. I have the labyrinth. Uh, oh, you know what? Here we go. Here's yeah. a copy of Eyeball. And does the copy of Eyeball... I'm going to look at it and see. Now it looks like the copy... Yeah, it's the copy we've seen before. It's the only... I'd like yeah. to speak to Mrs. But, it, you know, but... Eyeball, the only orange giallo. <laughs> <laughs> However you say orange in Italian. Orange gialli. <laughs> but anyway there's a ton of these on here i don't know how long this channel is going to last because i've already looked at a couple of these videos and they've been pulled down because of copyright infringement but oh sure new york well, River is here libido is here killer must kill again um ideal place to kill which was a terrible movie actually uh <laughs> i remember we talked about that one so yeah, everybody who's um, who's listening to this, go check out Jallo Realm on YouTube. They also have a Facebook page um, called Jallo Holics, and I can see that a couple of our buddies, um, Sanders, uh, is a member of this, uh, and I think. Hey, Sanders. Who's the other guy who's on our group that's always? Um, posting. Wait, it's um Don, Don, uh, Anelli. He's on Don Anelli. Don Anelli. He's he's also on this Jallo. Um, what the fuck did I just call it? Jallo, Jallo Holics. Uh, and it, yeah. it's cool because it's Jallo Holics, and there's a picture of uh, what's a his big name? bowl of Jello. There's a, there's a picture of what's his name from the Fifth Chord who's. Swigging down the J and B bottle. Let's go, fucking Nero, motherfucker. Bad with names today. So, uh, yeah. So go check that out. I, uh, I, yeah. I'm really impressed by the, the, In fact, the um, videos that are there and the quality of them. When I watched the sweet body of Deborah today, I watched it on double speed. Oh, okay. And it was amazing. <laughs> like the scene at the boxing ring was oh. like crazy. The dancing at the club was what about, insane. What about the twister scene? Oh, that wasn't nearly as good as the dancing scene. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the dancing scene is pretty out there. But real quick, before I forget, I just want everybody to know that um, if you go to mattwallwrites.com, um, that's kind of like my home away from home. And um, YouTube, Paperback Junkie, on Instagram and Twitter, Paperback Junkie. And then other than that, I'm done plugging. Okay. You can plug uh, all night long if you want to. Well, we should get to the to oh, the nice. scary bit of this. Oh. Um, basically, this is, I guess, the last episode of the Chow Chow. And... Um, mm. I guess like for the big reason being um, is just I have a lot of things that I'm doing and 
um, and prioritizing those. This is like a fun hobby thing for me to do. And um, I don't have a whole lot of room for fun hobby things at the minute. Mm -hmm. And because we don't do this like regularly now, whenever it does come up, it turns into like, and we were talking about this one time too, where when we do this, we want it to be fun. Right. And not like something we feel like we have to do. Right. So um, that's kind of where I'm at at the minute. And will it be gone forever? I have no idea. I'm not going to take the site down. I'm not going to take the episodes down. Right. So they'll still be there. Um, but yeah. It's some fucking asshole doing something. Nah, man. You ever hear that? Uh, that part in one of the Zeppelin albums, I think it's on physical graffiti. They're in the middle of recording and there's a plane and the studio guy, he, he like chimes in. And he's like, you want me to take that plane out? And like Robert plans like, nah, leave it, leave it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's really sad. Um, it sucks. Um, but it's totally understandable. I mean, I'm in the same position um, in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I, I recently, you know, within the last couple of weeks, I just kind of got the itch to watch Jolly again. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been so distracted with life, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm up for any sort of suggestion I would like to, I think that, I think the irony in, in all of this is that when I discovered the Jalo Chow Chow podcast. Well, let's see. Actually, the Jalo Chow Chow podcast discovered me. <laughs> That's how it happened. I got an email, or or maybe it was a a, a retweet or response to a tweet um, from you. Yeah, saying, "Hey, we found your site. Do you want to come on the podcast and talk about it?" and at the time, I was formulating some sort of a plan to do a Jalo podcast way back then. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how professional I was going to do it. I didn't know if it was going to be off the cuff like we do or whether it was going to be more scripted. And I remember when Eric was doing his 100 Years of Horror, I think most of his stuff was was scripted out a little bit. Yeah. So um, – and then when I kind of got wind, the, the first thing that happened was I was pissed off because here's these two guys talking about Bird with the Crystal Plumage and saying that it sucks um, <laughs> on a Gallo podcast, and they beat me to the punch. And I did, you know, and I eventually fell in love with the, the, the Chow Chow and you guys, and and we became this 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 force to be reckoned with. But um, the format of the of the podcast was a lot more kind of um, spontaneous seat of your pants kind of deal um, where we would kind of, you know, watch the film and then just kind of go off and, and just chat about it. And I had always thought about, well, you know, cause I, you know, I listen to other podcasts and sometimes they have like, you know, now we're going to do the blah, blah, blah. Section. Like total segments. and Yeah. Lots of segments yeah. and stuff and sound effects and shit. And I thought about doing all that. And now that we've been talking about you kind of dropping out, 
and the chow chow kind of ending, all those ideas that I had in the very beginning are starting to come back. And I'm trying to figure out whether I want to do a Jalo score podcast. Um, and it's going to be difficult for me because I'm so used to talking about Jolly with another person. And I don't think that I'm looking for a, a person to replace your position because I don't think it's even possible. Aww. Aww. But, you know, the idea of having guests, um, ho- you know, having a guest host once in a while, but then for some of the episodes, it would just be me talking. And I don't really know. I'm kind of leaving it up to us discussing some of it right now and maybe looking for some suggestions from the guys on the on the Facebook group as to what uh, a Jalo score.com podcast looks like or sounds like. Well, like, I think, like the the Jalo score itself is so unique to like any kind of film genre just in general it's so unique that like the i don't know if stats is the right word but how you do your shit and put it together and stuff i think that is the like big plus with you right so if that was kind of how you were planning on heading past this um that's what i would either expect i guess would be the word um but that's the stuff that made me fall in love with your site you know so like um yeah so that's my two cents and, and, and that's kind of what I thought. That's kind of what I was looking looking towards as where do we go from here? Like maybe not necessarily a podcast that's an hour and a half to two hours long of two or three people talking about a film, but more like, you know, as a kind of supplement to another one or two films that got scored and put up on the site the podcast this month is going to be talking about those two films and, you know, a little bit about the film, a little bit about what was good and what was bad about the film and then how it related to the score. But, you know, I kind well, of, another thing you could do that I wanted to do when we first started, but we didn't have enough listeners at the time and it just never came up again is if you know in advance what movie you're going to do, like have people in the group, um, send in like a voice memo of what they think about the movie or whatever, or their comments about it. And then you can field those comments or questions or whatever. Yeah, there you go. That would be cool. And maybe um, if we can tap into the, the user base of this Jalo realm group, because it looks like they've got um, a decent amount of uh, people that have joined up and the group is pretty new. So um, it's probably just going to keep growing. Maybe we can tap into those guys too. Um, and I think you and I talked about keeping the Chow Chow group going um, and using it as uh, a place for wherever discussions about whatever the new podcast was going to be about. Yeah. Using that there. So um, for those of you who are out there on the group, we're going to keep the group up and whatever becomes of this 
whatever this podcast evolves into for the future, we'll we'll be you know talking about it and 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 announcing things on that Facebook group page. I may change the name of it. Who knows? Um, but the other thing I was thinking about was, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, maybe in the beginning of the podcast, there's kind of like a, Hey, this is what's going, you know, cause there's, there's really not, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about this. A lot of Jallo news, right? I mean, you know, something comes up over the course of a month or month or you know, uh, six weeks span where some new film is getting re-released or what have you, you know, that might be something to talk about or maybe, yeah, maybe a, a local place is showing some of these films uh, on the big screen you know, that, that from time to time comes up. So that's kind of like, you know, Hey, what's going on in the world of Jolly right now? Um, and then, you know, maybe the meat and potatoes of the episode would be about the film. But I think that if I were to start a com podcast, that I'd probably go back to and, and, and go back over some of the films that were originally scored way back in the day instead of just picking up with, uh, you know, because I forget how many films are on the site now, but, um, you know, I'd probably do... Sweet Body of Deborah and Deadly Inheritance and and Murder Rock as my next three to be scored because those are the ones I've watched recently. But yeah. I don't know if I necessarily start episode one of the podcast with those. I might start it with a more well known um, like Bird film, like Bird. <laughs> well, we can right the wrongs. Uh, in the original version. No. Um, what was I going to say? Because, uh, I mean, you know, they're going to be people that probably, um, you know, find out about the whatever this new podcast becomes without knowing much about Chow Chow. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a bad idea to go over some of the stuff. I, I think one of the things that I, I, I've come to the conclusion of after watching so many of these films is that the reason why some of them are more popular than others is because they're actually better than others. Um, and you, and what I've noticed is after you've watched all the Argentos and all the Fulcans and all the Sergio Martinos and some of the other ones that are really notorious, famous Lindsay and what have you done to Solange and all those other, whatever remains, um, it's harder to find ones that are good. You know, we, I remember we did the French sex murders and we did, uh, uh, what the hell? The blood sucker leads the dance. And oh, that was amazing. That was horrible. <laughs> fucking horrible film. Um, and all, you know, the, and, and you know, and you'll be, you'll be very excited to hear this. I just saw that the sister of Ursula Blu-ray is coming out soon. Ooh, you need to get that. Yeah. Were they in Mallorca? Is that where they were at? Yeah. Or was that, or was that somewhere else? I don't no, know. They were in Mallorca or Mallorca. <laughs> <clears throat> they were in Hurriorca. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that uh, there, there's an end point for all of this. And, 
and it is that you know these movies really there's only a there's a finite number of them and if you were to cover them all based on doing the most popular ones first i think that you start you know maybe this happened with us too is that you know things start to get a little bit more tedious because the films aren't that good and i think you should do them in order of release like start from um girl who knew too much Sure. And then go forward chronologically. Yeah. Because like I, like we said before, I think you and I both agree that um, Sweet Body of Deborah is really... interesting film in that it um it has a lot of the elements of that of that lensy era proto jolly kind of thing but it feels a lot like miss ward yeah mm-hmm. absolutely because you know, like, five or six twists at the end oh my god yeah and, that, that was the hint they're playing twister that was like their foreshadowing <laughs> and it's got, you know and it's got um but it's still got those hooks where you got Carol Baker in a whole bunch of different sex scenes. And, you know, there's, you know, is it, is it Carol Baker that's going crazy or is she the one that's the bad guy or is Jean Sorel the bad guy or, um, but then, you know, we have this, this, this forward looking aspect, which is George Hilton makes an appearance. I don't know if that was his first appearance in a film like this, or if he was in something earlier than this, but he looked like he was fresh. Yeah. Like a very fresh, jolly actor. But yeah, I mean, Carol Baker looks amazing through this whole movie. Like every outfit she has is just amazing. And she changes her clothes more than they change camera angles. And it's just, (laughs) she just looks amazing. And there's so many beautiful coats in it. It's like total coat porn. There's a ton of, like, the club is, like, a really cool mod um, place. The villa, I hate the inside of it. What about the, um, that green thing that she's wearing during the Twister game? It's crazy. And the funny thing is, she has on this ridiculous green jumpsuit that is, like, a onesie. Yeah. Which is still pretty cool. But by the time she comes back in the house, she has, like, a skirt added to it. Yes. Yep. And she was walking from one place to another. 
So somewhere while she was walking, she managed to get a cute little skirt on. Well, I, I see. What I thought was that she probably the outfit probably included the skirt, and when yeah. it was time to play Twister, she took the skirt off. Yeah, but as you do. But what about those fucking Christmas ornament bracelets that she was wearing in the club? Unbelievable. <laughs> and her hair was amazing in the club. I'm watching it right now. That's why I was remembering. Oh my god. The funny thing is, is that like, and I know I've talked about this before on the show. Carol Baker needs to go to like kissing school. She looks like five-year-old kids at preschool, like trying to make out. Like she just can't figure it out. Yeah. It's really sad. I, I agree. And the problem that I have with Carol Baker is that I I don't know where I stand with whether I think she's hot or not. Like clearly she's super cute. Like clearly she's beautiful, right? Yeah. But, but she's not hot. This mom vibe going on that I don't connect with. I don't know if it's a mom vibe as I much as it is her kind of deal, you know? Like it seems like if you were at a club you would go up to Carol Baker because she's very pretty and you would go up to her. And then within about 30 seconds, you would go, I'm going to be screwing her friend tonight. (laughs) Regardless of what her friend looks like, you're just like, we're going to make it me and this other chick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I, I wouldn't, I would never ever throw her out of bed, but there's something there's something a little bit odd about her sexuality that weirds me out. And I don't, I can't, I can't put my finger on it other than it, it's, it's got too much of that June Cleaver mom. She just doesn't have genitals. She's like a Barbie doll. Yeah, I guess it so. goes flat. She does. She's not curvy. Maybe there. she's not curvy enough. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I well, I mean, she doesn't have anything on top to write home about for sure. But, you know, I'm watching the scene now in the club, and it's like, that one, that scene took me by surprise. Like, uh, Jean Sorel goes um, to do, so, oh, to go get her a cup of coffee because she's tired. And when he comes back, she's slow dancing with George Hilton's character, and he just sits down and drinks her coffee. <laughs> Once she comes over, she's like, oh, my God, he thinks he's such... Uh, a irresistible man and blah 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 and like i don't know i if i was that dude i'd be like what the fuck are you doing dancing with that dude like she looked like be painter yeah i don't know me neither but uh oh yeah now we're at the twister scene but here's the thing okay so we'll we can spoil the movie because that's what we do we're great at that um at the end, we, we we find out that Carol Baker and George Hilton's characters are in cahoots. And it's not explicitly stated what their relationship is. Are they? Oh, better? you went like way far, bro. Yeah. Because there's they, like eight different twists before that happens. Right. There's a bunch of twists, but I'm going <laughs> to skip over all of those because I have a question that needs to be answered. Okay. And in order to ask the question, you need to know about this scene at the end where they're sitting in the car and she's like talking about how, you know, when you have this much money, you know, you should still want more. Yeah. You always want more, but 
you know, I, it's never really explicitly stated. Is he her brother? Is he her husband? Is he just a friend? Um, but here's the question I have. So there's a scene where um, Jean Sorel's character leaves the villa. Yep. I knew this was coming. She's in the house alone and she hears the music and it turns out that George Hilton's character starts playing the music on the piano and he figured out that, you know, it was the song that Jean Sorel didn't like because he smashed the record and all this stuff. But why do they pretend to not know each other? To throw us off. And again, this is probably one of those times when the script was being written and rewritten and rewritten while they were shooting it. And, and maybe even if they hadn't rewritten it, the bottom line is that they didn't expect anybody to go back and and rewatch that scene because it was a movie in 1968. Right. So no one's there's not even, it's not possible to go back and watch that scene again, unless you go watch the movie again. Which you probably wouldn't do. Well, my question is, is he a cop? No, I don't think he was a cop, right? He So he had a gun and just killed this dude and set up this whole sting inform um sting operation and like didn't get any fucking heat for it. Yeah, well like he he kind of at 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 one point in the end when they're kind of wrapping all up, up all these storylines, doesn't he kind of act as some sort of liaison to the police or the detectives and offer up information? And then the guys, you know, the, the, the police commissioner is talking to Carol Baker's character and he's saying, you know, it was, you know, it was, if it wasn't for this guy and the information that he was able to provide for us, we wouldn't yeah. figure this out. And you get the impression that he was a police officer that was undercover, but really he wasn't, right? That's the whole thing, because it seems like he is, but it's never really said, like, what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. but And, and I think I like that. I think I like the idea that, you know, in the in in the middle of the movie, when we first introduced to him, he's kind of like a scoundrel, right? That's the best way to kind of describe him. Yeah. And then it turns out that he's probably this undercover cop who's trying to figure out how to deal with the situation where um, uh, Jean Sorel and his long lost love and whoever this other guy was, we're trying to drive Carol Baker crazy and commit suicide. And he comes in as the undercover cop to save the day. But really that wasn't the case either because he wasn't an undercover cop. He was really just doing what he needed to do to fake Carol Baker's suicide so that ultimately she would get uh, the insurance money. Right. Well, not fake or suicide, but like, like catch her before she dies, basically. Yeah, right. He didn't fake her suicide. It was it was the other it two that shipped in the dude. Yeah, that almost that almost did her in. Right. Yeah. But uh, so Jean Sorel was trying to get her money by killing her. Yeah. Because she's rich and comes from a wealthy family. So basically, a really quick synopsis of this. 
Carol Baker and John Sorrell get married. They're on their honeymoon. They go to his hometown in Geneva. They find out in Geneva that his um, ex-girlfriend committed suicide after he ditched town because he felt like such a piece of shit for asking her for money to pay off these thugs that were after him. So now his best friend who was also in love with the girl is mad at him and blames him for her death. And this is what's portrayed to Carol Baker. Mm-hmm. While all this is going on, they get a phone call that says, because she's dead, now we're going to kill Carol Baker. So you know what's up. So Jean Sorel, for half of the movie, is playing like he's going crazy. Like, what's happening? I don't understand all this. Right. And then there's this beautiful scene where his car's going by because he's going back to the villa. Yes. Oh, because he... Um, the guy showed up at the house and tried to kill them in their sleep. Um, Jean Sorel kills them, which I don't fucking understand because at that point they could have just killed her right. or d- did the suicide. Like there was no need for him to fake kill him <laughs> and then fake bury him. Right. Because other- she was the only witness. Yeah. Other than to, to give you some suspense and maybe, you know, yeah. you confused about whether or not she's going crazy or whether they're trying. Well, to- it worked. And the funny thing is, she's the one who said, we can't go to the police. They'll never believe us. Right. What if she would have said, shit, let's call the cops. Like his plan would have been totally fucked at that point. Yeah. So the cars are driving. He's coming back because he thinks something bad happened. His car passes the car with the murderers in it. (laughs) And it's his ex-girlfriend. And he's like, hey, baby, I love you. And she's like, yeah, right back at you, sugar tits. And you're like, oh, twist. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that that that's the first twist right there. Well, the first twist is that she's not dead. Well, our, wait, the first twist is that the guy is not dead, right? Well, he's not dead and the girlfriend isn't dead. But he pops up and it's almost like he's risen from the dead. <clears throat> they buried him or they pretended to to show Carol Baker that he was buried in the yard. Yeah. And then she looks out the window and it's raining and the, 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 the spot where they buried him is all dug up and he's standing there. And so it's like, wait a minute, is this guy a ghost? And that's kind of when the twists start happening and they just don't stop until the very last minute. Yeah. They do not stop. And like you said, it reminds me very much of what they did in Mrs. Ward um, with, one twist after the next, after the next, after the next. And you said the Martinos worked on this too? Yeah, yeah. This was a production of, of Lucian, uh, not Sergio, his, his dad. Because you figure 1968, right? Um, yeah. It's the same time when, you know, Dario Argento and his father, uh, was it Claudio or Salvatore? I can't remember who it was. Salvatore, I think. You know, he's like, you know, like... Argento is second unit director in some of these films. Um, and he's getting his, you know, he's getting his feet wet in the movie industry. And it's the same thing with Sergio. If you look at the credits in IMDb, it just looks, it, it looks like they gave him some sort of credit where he was a, a help, some sort of production credit. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't, boy. it wasn't second unit director, but it was something 
where his name is on it. And his name will show up in the, in it, in the original credits that are on the screen. It's not like one of those, you know, behind the scenes credits that only shows up on IMDb. So, you know, you've got the Martinos who are involved in this film and you've got Ernesto Gastaldi who's written, you know, who's adapted all of these Edgar Wallace deals uh, into an Italian, you know, film yeah. murder mystery deal. So it's, it's like all of the, it, all of the top players, um, you know, it, it's, I think that's what I, the reason why I'm so excited about talking about this film is because it has flown under the radar in my life for so long. And when I finally got, cause you know, I've had a copy of this film sitting on my Plex server for probably five or six years. And I just, was like, ah, it's Carol Baker and Jean Sorel. And you should you know, never say that. There's a whole bunch of those. So let's <laughs> start with the first one. And so I watched the first one and it's not really that good. Like the one, you know, so sweet, so perverse was the one that, that Jean Sorel is in. Yeah. Or, or what's the one, I guess it's Jean Sorel and Carol Baker. And they're out at that, at that, like luxurious place. And the one where he kills her on the boat or she kills, kills him. Right. Right. That's um, quiet place to kill, or uh, yeah, that's a quiet place to kill. Because the other one, or is that the one where she's the race car driver? Yeah, she's the race car driver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Look, fucking Lindsay. It, it, every time we talk about this, it still it still requires explanation because paranoia was the second name for Orgasmo and a quiet place to kill was also called paranoia. And then the third one was called, um, dirty ideal place to kill. It was also called an ideal place to kill. And Carol Baker is in two out of those three. Wait, what was it called? Dirty pictures, dirty pictures. Yeah. And Carol Baker's in a couple of them. And Jean Sorel is in a couple and Lindsay directed all of them. And now here's Carol Baker and Jean Sorel again, but it's in a film where the director is kind of an unknown. I don't think he And has- then, wait, there's also the Fulci John Sorrell movie in San Francisco. What's that yeah. one called? One on top of the other, or Perversion Story. Perversion Story, that's right. With that, that amazing one, looking chick in it. Yes, and that one is, a, is like a complete lift of the vertigo idea. But yeah. um, this one has those elements too. And I don't remember when vertigo came out, but this sweet body of Deborah of Deborah is kind of the same, right? It's like, you've got the old blonde girl and the new blonde girl and the husband uh, who, you know, the, the husband who has the new version, the old version. And it's a little bit like that. Like as I was watching it, I was going, this kind of has some ties to vertigo also. So I don't know. Again, you know, Vertigo obviously influenced a lot of... Shit, what was that dude's name? Ivan Razumov? Is that his name? Ivan Razumov. The guy who played in uh, Mrs. Ward? Yeah, he's been in a ton of... Like, him not being in this movie was, like, the only thing missing from this movie. Yes, yes. You know, like... uh, and, and and not having um, uh, Morricone or Bruno Nicolai doing those the soundtrack. I mean, all of that stuff came a little bit later when Argento so, was involved. Talk about the score on it. Like, 
Because, like, as I was watching it, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, it has this, it has this, it has that, it has this. The score was good, but it's 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 attributed to Cam in the credits, which doesn't really give you much. But I think that... Um, oh, I just meant the Jello score. But I know oh, what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the soundtrack. No. Uh, no. Meanwhile, just to, just to finish a thought, um, Vertigo was released in 1958. So... 10 years worth of people making trying to digest that film and figure yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jalo score. We're going to have to do this uh, off the cuff because I haven't um, put sweet body of Deborah in there, but uh, let's take a look and see. Um, and, and you know, here's the thing. And, and this is the other thing that I, that I was going to bring up that I'm glad, I'm glad we're doing this because um when I was looking at doing the score, I was thinking about changing the way some of the rules of the score are applied. And I know this is a huge deal for people that are listening because I've been very specific about why the scores are the way they are and how certain films get to credit, certain films don't get to credit. (laughs) There's always room for, for evolution, right? So the very first (laughs) <laughs> the very first one of the very first things is a hidden identity is is uh gives you a lot of of points right so i'm thinking of changing that to a general mysterious element that is way too vague yeah it is but how do you give points to this film when there really isn't anybody that's hidden. Like we're talking about Suzanne who supposedly commits suicide, but is really alive, but she's not a murderer. And well, well, the whole thing is though, is that like the hidden identity besides fucking uh, blood and black lace, that wasn't really a thing until bird right and then every movie did it after that so i think movies before 1970 are gonna fall short of that but right and and that's not entirely true i started watching deadly inheritance and there is um and that's from 68 i think and that has like somebody's murdering people like the the whole deal with deadly inheritance is that um the guy who there's a guy who basically it's his job to to switch the railroad tracks at a certain time and he's out there switching them and he gets run over by a train and for whatever reason he has lots a lot of money i don't know why and he has three daughters and uh, a son who's uh kind of developmentally challenged and underage and so the whole premise is you know trying the, to get him laid <laughs> no, the whole premise is that the lawyer comes and says that the estate will not be distributed until so-and-so comes of age and he's only 17. And so they have to wait like three or four years to get their money because he has to be 21. And so the next thing that happens is he gets killed and they don't know whether it's a suicide or an accident or a murder. But then, you know, as the movie goes on, more and more people are getting um, bumped off in, in, in an effort 
for whoever's doing the killing to get more of the money from the inheritance. So, and I haven't gotten through the whole film yet, but that's another one that's a proto Jolly, but it has a definitive kind of hidden killer identity thing. But there's a lot of these other films, like even if we're talking about Fulci's perversion story, or we're talking about this film, or we're talking about some of these other films where there's a general kind of thing that you're not sure what's going on. You're not sure whose allegiances are aligned with who else. But by the end of the movie, all of that, you know, is revealed, but it's a mystery until then. And so does the film deserve the credit for hidden identity? No. No. Or should we be adding a different rule that says, like, for example, um, in the, the score level one, which I consider to be the staples of a giallo film, there's a couple of options. There's like option A and B for motivation. Was the killer motivated because he was having, you know, because he's out for revenge or because of some sort of psychological trauma in his past? If yes, then you get more points. Um, if the motivation for killing is that he's just trying to blackmail somebody or somebody's blackmailing him or he's trying to make money, you know, there's monetary gain, then it's less points. Um, so maybe like, you could do a, maybe we could do another sub option that said, you know, is there a, is there a person who's killing people whose identity remains uh, unknown until the end of the film? If yes, it's 10 points. Um, otherwise, is there some other sort of mystery or like, or like a, a secret? secret oh, yeah. Something that gets revealed at the end that, that gives you a twist, because I think that's really what these films are about. They're about, you know, at least in the beginning, in the, in the proto jolly stages, they're about, um, this little, this little aha moment that happens at the end where, um, and then at the very end, you should have like one point for however many twists. Mm. Like every twist gets a point. Okay. <laughs> every twist gets a point. Well, and, and so like, okay. Um, so we have an Italian director. I can't click off hidden identity because there isn't one. There's no, yeah. black, there's no black gloves in the film. Is there an amateur detective element? Does it? Film. Isn't the chick when she reveals herself? Doesn't she have black gloves on? When which chick? The chick who's supposed to be dead. When she reveals herself, does she have black gloves on? Yeah, I don't remember. I could easily find that spot in the film, but I wonder if it matters because you mean black gloves with a knife in them. Yeah, like the killers wearing black gloves specifically, like even in, even in like, uh, what is it? Black belly of the tarantula. The killer doesn't wear black gloves. They wear orange gloves or flesh colored gloves or something. So, 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 so the, the next question is, is there an amateur detective element to this thing? Is there a person who's not a police officer who's trying to solve the mystery? Well, it's weird because Jean Sorel is, but then, like, there really isn't a purpose for him to. Yeah, because he's in on it. So he was doing it just to make her think that he was doing that. 
But in the meantime, she. So I guess no. But in the meantime, she at the at the same time was in cahoots with uh, George Hilton. All right, so there's no amateur detective. No, um, it's not during the classic period. It's before 1970. Um, the motivation of the murder, even though there really wasn't any murders, um, is yeah, monetary, is monetary gain. Uh, there was a murder though, right? Yeah. Who who end up getting killed? Jean. Yeah. Okay. Um, so sweet body. Oh. All right, I have to look this up on IMDb real quick. Um, the director, the director Romolo Guerri. Romolo Guerri. Yeah, that sounds Jewish. I don't think he's Italian. <laughs> Uh, did this guy direct any other Jolly is the question Um, the double is the double a Jolly no a Jolly Jean Sorel is in it Uh, sorry guys I'm thinking as I talk I'll do blow Man is shot in an underground car park by a mysterious bearded man. As he dies, he recollects the events that led him to the situation, including the delicious liaisons and jealous envy. It doesn't sound like a job. It sounds like an amateur detective trying to solve his death while he's dying. Okay, user reviews. A sexy thriller that provides a different take on the common Jalo formula. Okay. Boom. All right. So I'm going to give him credit for that then. The director has more than one film. Okay, was there a body count greater than or equal to three? No. Was there some sort of flash? Wait, 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 wait. If the girl committed suicide, the body they buried, and Jean Sorel, that's three (laughs) bodies. Yeah, but they they weren't really dead, though, right? (laughs) Was there a flashback? Uh, in 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 an effort to explain what was going on, was there a flashback? Yes, when he got beat up and was making out with the chick. When 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 he got beat up. When John Sorrell was getting his ass kicked by the guys who wanted the money. Oh, but that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and he was trying to explain to her what had happened. That, see, that doesn't count. Why? Because it has to be a flashback that happens at the end of the movie to explain why the killer did what he did. Okay. That's what that's for. All right. So no, no, uh, it didn't take place in Italy. Okay. Was there a mistaken identity at some point? Did somebody think that somebody was responsible or we as the viewer think that somebody was responsible for the mystery and then it twists. No, we have to say yes to that. Right. Because why? Because we thought that at one point Carol Baker was the victim and Jean Sorel was the bad guy. But ultimately, Carol I thought it was more of a mistaken identity, like in the movie. Like, yeah, they think that somebody is the killer and he really isn't. Yeah. It's what it's supposed to be. All right. Okay. Points there. More than one killer or an accomplice, I'll give him that. Um, There weren't any nude scenes. Carol Baker never showed any of. Uh Private parts. You got some dark brown nips. Where? When? 
in the shower and in bed. Really? Yeah. All right. Look, I'll give it to you. I mean, it's not. Like, uh, Anyone notices those things? It's you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were really not <laughs> worth watching. Seriously, it looked like a couple of tiny fried eggs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I I typically when I watch anything with Carol Baker, I just assume that she's not going to show anything. Yeah. Um. Now there's one where there's at least three or more suspects, and I guess you could say if you include Carol Baker and George Hilton and Jean Sorel and Louis that G- other dude, Billy and Evelyn Stewart, and I'm naming all these people by their actor names instead of their character names. <laughs> I can't remember who the fuck their names are in character. Yeah. So we'll give them that. An urban yeah. location, they get that one. Okay. Yeah. There was an airplane taking off or landing. We know that that yep. was an animal, a number, or color, or death in the title. There wasn't. The sweet body of Deborah. No. Uh, there was no funeral that they attended. There was no bathtub murder. Oh, here's another one. Okay. So another one of these rules is they get a point if there's car or motorcycle racing in the film. I thought that was more of like a sporting event. Right. I'm thinking that I might want to expand that rule to any sort of sporting event. So yeah, one of those Lindsay films, there's bullfighting at the beginning, right? Knife of Ice. Yeah. And in this one, there's a, um, a, a boxing match. Yeah. So I would give him the point for that. Yeah. Is there a chase scene in this film? Nobody really chases anybody. Uh, no. There's no comic relief character. No. Say that George Hilton kind of is, but not really. No. Did he die because they fell? No. Um, no. Yeah, no. Were there any dolls or dummies? Were there any gay or lesbian characters? No. Uh, there is a foreigner in the film because uh, what's her name is from America, right? Yeah, yeah. I know that at one point we saw a J and B bottle, so I'll give you that. Okay. Um, was there any sort of odd clue? And I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Case of the Scorpion's Tail. Did we ever cover that film? I think we did, right? Yeah. The thing that was odd that was a clue. Which I don't know how to even explain it, but there was a newspaper that he got from the library that talked about the girl's suicide. Really? It had to have been faked. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, like. That's interesting. I didn't even remember that. That is like, that is just the weirdest thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to say right now that this is the thing that that's going to be lacking from my podcast. (laughs) Remembers these fucking details. Like (laughs) there's no way I'm ever going to remember those. I'm going to have to watch the movie 20 times. Oh my God. Anyway. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, what about the what about the record of the Tchaikovsky thing? Would that be considered an odd clue? Like it keeps showing up and people keep Well, here's another thing. Like the phone in the house didn't work. And right. there's no way it could have rang. It's no way anything could have happened. Right. But both him and her heard it. Right. There's so much misdirection from the filmmakers in this movie that it's like, uh, 
Like when you try to dissect it, it's really confusing. I mean, I guess that could be a clue, but I don't know what it would be a clue of. A clue of whether or not um, he's really still alive or not, and she's or somebody's trying to to drive. The, I'm, I'm going to give him the I'm going to give him the point because they don't have very many points in this film. Oh there's, no, there's no pathologist. Ooh, I have a peeping Tom clue, which is exactly what George Hilton described himself to be. Or yeah. a voyeur in French. Uh, like, I know what that is. <laughs> that was a great one. Uh, photography, glamour, modeling, art. We'll give him that because... Well, he was painting. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. There's no priest. There's no pseudoscience. Nobody is trying to... Let's see. What does prove innocence mean? Oh, okay. So the amateur detective... Um, is motivated to solve the mystery because he has to prove his innocence because they think he might be the killer. So we don't have that problem. There's no psychologist. I don't remember seeing any spiral stairs. Do you? Oh, you know what? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, The taunting rule is basically that the killer calls either the police or one of the victims on the phone and taunts them. Yeah, that happened. And consider that little phone call thing to be a taunt. Yeah. And then visual misinterpretation is one of those deals where Argento, like, you know, that Argento made famous where it's like, you know, the the character saw something, but he keeps playing it over in his mind. And then eventually it's like, oh, this is really what I saw, but I didn't realize it until the end. Well, if it's like that, no. But this whole movie is a visual interpretation problem. Yeah. <laughs> it sure is because <laughs> sure especially with that scene that i brought up before where the two people that are in cahoots pretend not to know each other for the camera for the camera right <laughs> no one else all right i'll give him that all right so the the grand score here is and i apologize because um you have to do math yeah Forty-four, dude. It's so crazy because as I was watching it, I was like, "Wow!" You <laughs> <laughs> thought it was hitting oh, on every, like, on every, like, every cylinder. Yeah. Well, firing on every cylinder, I think, is the cliche, right? Yeah. Wow. You still don't get Jalo's Gorge. Still does not have a, a one hundred point film. And I don't know if it ever will. I don't think it will. If the if the basic Argento canon hasn't gotten to a hundred yet, I don't think anything will. Maybe <laughs> Jallo with Adrian Brody will. No. <laughs> well, he, I mean the thing is for the you know, the score level one is the staples. Oh uh, yeah, seventy level two. When you get to the score level three, where the maximum allowed is ten points, but there are about twenty different things that could happen. So if I allowed the score level three to be as many as possible, we might get a hundred point film. I bet you'd have more than one. Yeah, you'd have to go back and redo all those scores. Well, let me see. Let's go back to Deep Red because Deep Red is the highest scoring film. 
at a 97. You and can easily give that three points. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Actually, it's a 99. If you count all of the level three one-pointers, there's 12 of them. But I only counted 10, so it's a 97. If you add the other two, it's a 99. The reason why it didn't get 100 is because Argento decided to use Goblin instead of Morricone or Nicolai for the soundtrack. Oh, wow. That's the only reason why it doesn't have 100. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. We talked about this when we covered that film. That's the thing that sets that film apart from all the other ones. For real. Because the, the Goblin soundtrack, and that's the first time we heard Goblin, because from what I understand, Argento was pissed off at Morricone because of what he did with Four Flies. He didn't like it. So he went and got Goblin instead. Well, I mean, he shouldn't have liked Four Flies anyway. No, stop it. <laughs> You're never going to like that film. I don't know why. You have to go back and watch it again. <clears throat> I think I've watched it three times, and I think I like it less each time I watch it. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so we've been talking for about an hour and a half. This was good. I'm glad we got to cover this film because it yeah. was good. When I was watching it, I'm like, shit, you know, this is a good one. And it's it, it's not necessarily apropos for the last episode because it's it's a transitional film. It's not like the quintessential anything. But yeah. But I like me from Carol Baker. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if I then go, we have to do this kind of off the cuff unless you already did some pre-planning for this for this recording if i go to jalo chow chow and i look at um all the episodes that we did since the beginning and try to come up with the five films that i like the most i don't think it's we could we couldn't do this within a a, a two or three hour period i mean i could do it right now you can do it right now my five favorites your five favorites but it has to be of the stuff that we've covered in the podcast right it could not necessarily and i don't remember is there an easy way to find the list of all the films we did on the podcast other than going to no you have to just go page by page gotta go to the archives okay yeah all right well why don't you go first because i I really want to be able to, 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 I don't want to give you and the people who are listening to this podcast, the standard five that everybody says, because as much as those probably are are the five that I like the most, I want to make this an interesting discussion. (laughs) I mean, pick, do the five you like, man. I know. You know, like fuck everybody. Fuck our listeners. <laughs> I go to, I'm, I'm at page four and it says, welcome to Jalo Chow Chow. And then it says episode 53. <laughs> Does it really? Yeah. So I don't know where the hell all the rest of them went. Uh, I'll have to put them up again. Well, that's the one thing that we never, we were able, we were never able to figure out, which was that for some reason, iTunes was only showing the most recent 10. Yeah, 
I, and I never fixed that. I never really, figured it out. And I've seen other podcasts where they have like 300 episodes and you can get all of them. Yeah. So if, if we, if, oh, I wonder, and, and I think Stitcher does the same thing. So we can't go to Stitcher and look it up either. Well, so let's go ahead. I'll, and, I'll tell you what, if you pick one that wasn't on, because we've pretty much done the ones that you're going to like. I think if, I think if I go to Jalo score, there aren't too many that we've discussed that aren't on my site. So, and if they are, it's probably the last 10, right? Exactly. Okay, so is this in any order, or is this just... Yeah, we might as well do it in any order, because, you know, when you get up to it, when you're trying to nail down your favorite five out of, like, 110 or 120 films, yeah, the top five are going to are gonna switch around as far as their, their rankings within the five, right? So yeah. let's just say, in any order, your five favorite films that we've covered over the last... Jesus fucking Christ, probably three years, maybe four. Well, the the first episode was in December of 2013. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Which is ridiculous that we never got to 100. It is. Well, that's yeah. lazy, but... <laughs> but it's not true, though, because we had at least 10 episodes where we covered two films in one episode. Oh, true. True. So true. Got to think about it that way. We did cover a hundred films probably. Yeah. We have a hundred um, episodes. Very good. Okay. 13 December, 2013. So, okay. So, so let's just say for the sake of argument, this podcast has been happening for four years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. When I think of all the other things that have happened in the past four years besides this podcast, it's it's blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Anyway. I, 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 I was a wee little lad. <laughs> okay, you're so. six for fuck's sake. What? You're 36 for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <still> 40. <laughs> well, right off the bat, eyeball. Eyeball. Right. I think I, I think I can pick two of your five. Eyeball and um, Strip Nude. That was going to be my next one. Okay. Strip Nude, Fow Yow Cow Wow. Wasn't the biggest fan of Edwidge's hair, but other than that. I kind of liked it. Let the pixie cut. I know. And there's times when it's kind of okay. But um, but, but the, then when you go to my next one, which but the, is but the fact that there's a hint that the guy is going to have anal sex with her at the end oh. make, makes up for it, <laughs> right? Like like here's the question, right? Would you rather have long-haired Edwidge and no anal sex, or short-haired Edwidge and anal sex? I would have bald Edwidge <laughs> if they showed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god that's great but yeah so so those are the two <laughs> um next would be one of the reasons why i don't like her hair short and that is case of the bloody iris mm, 
yeah. where she just looks amazing the whole movie. Yep. Um, <sighs> Bay of Blood, mm. which was a movie when we first did it. I hated it. Hated it. And um, there's a lot to hate in that movie, but the score is so good. And it's such an influential film. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it, it's Bava making a film saying, I don't give a shit about the films I made before. I'm going to, like, in other words, hey, everybody's doing something different. Or everybody's copying me from a film that I made seven years ago. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something completely different. And fuck you. And meanwhile, you know, Sean Cunningham and those other guys from Friday the 13th totally bit, you know, totally yeah. ripped them off. And, For real. And, but, you know, Bay, the, here's the thing about Bay of Blood. I don't want to steal your thunder. But the thing about Bay of Blood is if you can, if you can get a copy of Bay of Blood on Blu-ray where you can really see it, it's gorgeous. It's an amazing. Yeah, because that was one of my big problems with it. Yeah. Was that the darks were so dark. Way too dark. Like you couldn't tell anything that was going on. And almost every copy of the film that I had seen until I'd gotten the Blu-ray, the soundtrack, and I'm not talking about the music, but I'm talking about in general just the sound of the film was so low and so low quality. And you had to turn it way up to hear what the fuck they were talking about. Exactly. You had to turn it way down because the music would come in and it would be so loud. And they, they fixed that with the Blu-ray too. So um, for people who haven't seen Bay of Blood or Twitch of the Death Nerve or whatever you want to call it, find a copy on Blu-ray. I think Blue Underground may have put it out. I can't remember. Um, but that's that's the that's the copy to see because because and, and I don't want again I don't want to go off on a tangent here but when I was a kid um, and I'm talking about say 12 or 13 my friend and I you know we get we get together you know on the weekends and we rent these horror films and we'd watch them and you know Evil Dead was fantastic and Fulci's Zombie we loved it and we went out to the fucking the video store and rented this Twitch of the death nerve. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And we brought it home. And if you're looking for something to happen in the first few minutes, nothing happens. And the fact that the quality was so bad, I, I don't even think we watched it. I think we turned it off after 15 minutes saying what a piece of shit this thing is. So, but the thing that's fun about it is that there's, almost like so many different storylines that this is a perfect movie to have on in the background. It has a great score. You Mm. could come in and out of the room. Mm. Um, Like you could have conversations with people and come back to it because it's like eight awesome little tiny movies all in one movie. It's just, it's super fun. It's just, it's a really fun movie. It's it's it, it, it's an amazingly fun movie, and um, I want to toot my own horn. If you were to go back to the episode where I think we, what was it? The um, what did we call it when we we went back to redemption? Film? The redemption, yeah, the redemption episode for Bay of Blood. I did a fucking flowchart that described all of the various people and what their relationships were and who killed who and it was insane when i, yeah. when I decided to do it I, I i said you know like it this is 
the, the plot is way too confusing to keep in my head. Let me diagram it. When you look at the diagram, um, I have to go it's back. Al- it almost makes worse sense. Yeah, it makes less <laughs> sense. <laughs> totally. Because basically, spoiler alert, every single person in this movie kills somebody <laughs> for the most part. Yep. Like, <laughs> the only people left alive are the kids at the end. Yeah. Sorry. Who were murderers. Sorry, ruined it. Yeah. And then for my last movie, this would be the toss-up. So wait, we've got, we've got Eyeball, uh, Case of the Bloody Iris, which we didn't even really talk about. Bay of Blood and Strip Nude. Strip Nude, yeah. So the, before you give me your, your last one, Case of the Bloody Iris, we have to remind everybody, is probably the most entertaining Jalo ever made. Ever. Right? I mean, it's yeah. got a fantastic soundtrack. It's got Edwidge in body paint. It's got this dumb roommate who provides all kinds it's of amazing. The 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 um the, the story is interesting enough that it's entertaining. The fashion's amazing. The fashion's the amazing. amazing. The, kill, the kill scenes are great. Um, there's a bathtub murder. There's a fucking, um, there's elevators and spiral staircases and, oh man, it's, it's like I said, it's, it has everything. The most entertaining film. It's just, uh, of, of all the jolly. It's, it's not the best film. It's, but it's the most entertaining, I think. Yeah. That I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The see the last one I'm having a hard time with. It's uh, this is going to be one of those academic ones, right? Where you kind of have to pay homage to Argentina. No, um, it's either I, I guess it would be Five Dolls. Five Dolls, really? Wow! I love Five Dolls. It is I love the music. Film. I love the look of it. I love the place they're at. Um, but like I'm sitting here going, ah, could, it could either go to Black Billy the Tarantula, or it could go to um, Sister Versala, or it could go to. Uh, <laughs> I like how you laugh it off, dude. He's about to fall out of his chair. Film I've ever seen. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. But then, like another movie that like snuck up on me that um, I never thought I was gonna like is uh, Death Walks in High Heels, which was also. Yeah, that's amazing. Good, so good. that last one, it could go either way, but I think I would have to go with Five Dolls. So Bay of Blood, Five Dolls, Case of the Bloody Irish, Strip Nude, and Eyeball. Yeah, I think if you watch those five movies, you would never have to watch another movie again <laughs> in your life. <laughs> you suck. Oh my God, that's terrible. I can't believe that. All right. What, what? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, so he's going to hit all of his Argento and Fulci's now. So no, 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 Fulci, fuck Fulci. Uh, Fulci, Fulci's great, and Fulci's greatest film ever made is The Beyond. Um, I know that I have talked, and you know, I, ladies and gentlemen, if you remember how much bourbon was in here when I first started pouring it, it was a lot higher. 
Yeah, he's been actually pissing in the bottle to dilute it to make it. <laughs> so whatever I have to say here, just take a <clears throat> salt because I'm a little I'm a little inebriated. But well, real quick, what's the Fulci movie that has the girl in it that I hate? It was like one of the first episodes you came in on. Oh, like Lizard and a Woman's Skin? There you go. Yeah. I thought you were going to pick that for sure. No, 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 no. no never, never, never. Okay. If I would pick any Fulci film from the Jalo section of his, because Fulci is this, um, what do they call it? Uh, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none kind of filmmaker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but the but he did actually prove himself to be a master of horror more than anything else. So, but if you're talking about Jalo, Fulci's Don't Torture a Duckling is a really good film. It's not in my top five, eh, but it's a no. it's probably it's probably my favorite Fulci Jalo. Although Perversion Story is a very good one as well, but it's a proto Jolly and it doesn't really follow the conventions. I'm trying to think of what else. You know, you got Lizard in a Woman's Skin and Don't Torture a Duckling and Perversion Story. And what the fuck? Didn't we do New York Ripper? And New York Ripper is one of my favorite movies just in general because of how ridiculous it is. Like, it's not a good good movie. No. Um, And it's very objectionable. It's about as as misogynistic as you can get. Um, And I don't know if that's a commentary on... Fulci's ability. I don't think I would pick a Fulci. In like your even in like my top twenty. Nah, top twenty. Perversion story would probably be the only one that would even get in there. Well, I, I think I'm missing one, and I have to go look them up because um, I forgot all about Duckling. Did you a Fulci? Let's see here. Um. We did we talk about um, uh, what the fuck was that? There was there was a there was a Fulci Giallo that was more towards the eighties. Wasn't that Murder Rock? Weren't we going to do that? Not Murder Rock, but um, the Psychic. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. The psychic? Uh, yeah. I don't think we did it. We didn't. We didn't cover, but that was was pretty good. But yeah, I'm looking at his at his um, list here. Lizard in a woman's skin. Don't torture a, lo- a duckling. Uh, the psychic. One on top of the other. Yeah, that's it. I mean, so if I were if I had to pick amongst all of those that fall into the category of Jalo, it's don't torture a duckling would be my favorite because it's 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 a no bullshit film like. Um, perversion story has like this, a little bit of fun attached to it. Lizard in a woman's skin is kind of like, Hey, you know, um, the Austin powers kind of flavor to it. Like yeah, there's some fucking good looking chicks in that swing sixties deal. Yeah. Um, but don't torture a duckling is really just a no bullshit, you know, commentary on society kind of thing. Um, but still a very well scripted Jalo murder mystery. Now, and the chick from Lizard was also in Footprints, right? Yeah, Leorme. What's that chick's name? Mm, why can't I remember? Uh, why can't I remember? 
Her name is dun 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 dun, dun Florinda Bolkin. Bolkin. Oh. Yeah, and she's really yeah, I fucking not hate her at all. <laughs> but dude, but see, that's the other reason why um, uh, "Don't Torture" is great because Barbara Boucher totally nude the whole scene with the like little wave machine and yeah, you know, she's yeah. fun to look at for reals. Yeah, and 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 that's why I'm going to tell you that I'm going to go very unconventional here. And say that my a first, a first, my first of my five is a muck. Jesus Christ! And that's because two of my most favorite girls, Jalo women, are in this film: so Barbara Boucher and what the fuck is the other girl's name who was in Top Sensation with the fucking leather bikini? I knew you were going to talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> No hips. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, did you no hips? Yeah, she's got no, no hips. Dude. Her hips are fine, dude. No. She's a fucking ironing board with B cups. <laughs> there, there isn't a jury in the world that would, would side with you with regard to her hips. I um, think when you put her next Alba, to Edwidge. Rosalba Neri. Oh, there you go. Rosalba Neri. But, it, but it's, a good, it's a good film. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Top it in like, I'm gonna no 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 a muck I'm gonna put it in because Farley Granger is in it and he's really good in it and um, I'm gonna go back and re- and watch it again and no it's good um, I want to watch the Blu-ray so I can hate it <laughs> the next time uh, there's some sort of a broadcast of my thoughts on the internet I will have watched it again and I may take it out of my top five so. We'll see what happens, but right now it's in my top five because the lesbian scene and it's it has nothing to do with Jalo. I mean, it's a good Jalo, it's a good mystery, but really, it's because it looks so good. And I love Barbara Boucher; she's my yeah. Friend. Um, okay, so now we're really getting to it. Um, let me take a look here. <sighs> How about um, the washing machine? No, I cannot list that as um, my top in my top five. No, uh, bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. Is that what it was? Oh, called? Fucking movie that was. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, so lately, I've really been thinking about how awesome the case of the Scorpion's Tale is, but. I'm not putting it in my top five. It's probably in my top ten. The fifth chord is in my top five. For sure. For sure. And that's because it has – it's slow moving. I got to give you that. If you compare fifth chord to Case of the Bloody Iris, there's no comparison. Case of the Bloody Iris is the most entertaining giallo ever made. Um, Fifth chord is nothing like that, but – the the film is the most beautiful, beautifully filmed film yeah. I've ever seen, as it's far great. as far as Ijalo is concerned. And um, Franco Franco Nero is great in it, and there are some hot girls in it. And Morricone's soundtrack is really good, and the story for the most part is good. Um. There's, there, you know, there's, there's, there's a real, there's a couple of really suspenseful scenes at the end. 
um, with the kid and the killer and everything. And uh, the way that everything is explained at the end is a little bit like, eh, it's an afterthought, but um, I really like the fifth chord for all those other reasons. It, when I, when it comes to, when it, when it comes to listing my f- most favorite Jalo or Jolly, it has to do a lot with what could I, and, and this is the case with every film in my life, not necessarily just Jalo, but what could I, no matter what mood I'm in, could I put this film on and watch it? Even yeah. though I've watched it a thousand times. And, you know, with, with regards to contemporary, you know, traditional films, you could say something like Psycho or Pulp Fiction or um, Shawshank Redemption or Dazed and Confused or War Games. You know, those, those kinds of films, for me anyway, are the ones that no matter what point in the movie they're on, if I, if I flip through the channels and it's on, I'll stop and watch the rest of it, you know, that kind of thing. So w- when we're talking about Jalo specifically, Fifth Chord is one of those where I can put it on and I may not be able to watch more than 10 minutes of it because I'm too tired, but I will enjoy that, that 10 minutes while I'm still conscious. Um, so let's see a muck and fifth court. I have to agree with you on the case of the bloody Iris though. That one is definitely on my list. And, um, for all the reasons we talked about already and eyeball is, I'm really a huge fan of eyeball. Now you've converted me to how great the film is. Um, and partly because I respect your opinion. Uh, in most cases, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's also because I had the pleasure, and when I say pleasure, I really mean pleasure, of seeing Eyeball on the big screen, and it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. Because not only was it great to see it on a big screen, but the audience ate it up. They loved it, and. Every fucking weird and stupid and and uncomfortable aspect of that film was was laughed at. It got great a great response from the audience. And when they revealed the killer and they revealed, you know, the fact that, you know, the killer was like blatantly in one of the pictures that was taken when they were murder. Um, everybody just laughed their ass off and it that just made the film even better for me. So uh, eyeball is in my top 10 for sure. Um, but it's not my top five. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate to tell you. So I got two left. I'm really, I'm really fucking um, delaying this as, as long as I possibly can, because you know, this is our last show. Uh, um, okay. So I have to pick an Argento film because I'm a huge Argento fan and I think Argento is single-handedly responsible for the movement more than anybody else, even though people will argue with me and say that it's Bava or say that it's um, Lindsay. Lindsay or something. He created everything. Oh, yes. I, Argento did it 10 years after me. I did it before him. Uh, <laughs> but the problem with Argento is deciding which one to include. I could do a top five of just Argento, 
but that's really not fair. We're talking about top five Giallo of all time. Um, for me, my favorites. So it's between Bird and, oh man, it's a four-way tie, okay? Bird, Cat of Nine Tails, Deep Red, and Tenebrae. And because we're talking about the top five of all time, I always kind of go back to Bird with Crystal Plumage because of how much of a landmark film that was. Tenebrae is probably Argento's, I can't even say it's his best film because look at Suspirio, look at Inferno, Deep Red. I mean, they're all really good films. And sometimes I actually want to say that Cat of Nine Tails is my favorite because there's some weird connection I have with that film more than any other Argento film. And I don't know, you know how like, when you go back and look at things that happened to you in the past and you, you say, you know, well, this album by such and such a band is my favorite because at that particular time in my life, I was going through such and such and I really related to that album at the time. And that's why it's my favorite, you know, because of the shit that was going on in your own life. Well, Cat of Nine Tales was the first film in the Jalo you know, genre or subgenre or Filoni, as we know. Uh, Filoni. Um, Cat of Nine Tales was the first one where I, where I watched it and I went, ah, I fucking get it. Like, I understand now what a giallo is. Like, I had watched Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I had watched Deep Red. I had seen parts of Blood and, uh, Blood and Black Lace and um, Bay of Blood. And it really didn't connect with me that this was a specific type of film. I just thought it was like an offshoot of horror one way or another. But Cat of Nine Tales, I watched it and I understood what Argento was trying to do with establishing the characters and trying to give you clues as to who's responsible for what and all the misdirection and all of the other red herrings and all that stuff. and when I finally got it and I finally like was really uh, enthusiastic about the film genre is when I was, was it was, it was at a time in my life when I was buying laser discs and laser discs were on their way out. Like laser discs, like nobody gave a shit about laser discs because DVDs were out. But from a, for, if you're into Argento, the only way that you could really see his films uncut were to find laser discs. And I spent probably somewhere near $200 on eBay to get a copy of Cat of Nine Tails on Japanese Laserdisc. And I bought this Pioneer Laserdisc that was a, (laughs) it was a dual, um, it was a dual format. It had a big old fucking shelf that came out to put the Laserdisc on, but it also had a small one to put DVDs on. So you could play both. Nice. Uh, and it was awesome. I loved it. It was at a time when before I had kids, before I had a girlfriend, before I was married, where the world was my oyster and I could do whatever the fuck I wanted. I had my own apartment and, it, you know, I spent $800 a month to pay for living expenses. And God damn it, you know, if I wish that I had those problems now. Uh, 
but anyway, uh, when that thing came in the mail and I went and picked it up at the post office, I remember like opening it up and going, fuck, this is fantastic. I got cat of nine tails uncut letterbox on D on a laser disc. And I went home and watched it like 20 times in a row. And I don't know as we're, we're sitting here now talking about this, whether I would put this in my top five, but it's, it's between that one and bird. And I think it's, I think it has to be cat and nine tails. So I'm putting, wow. I'm putting in a cat and nine tails. It's, it's ridiculous because it's not bird. I thought it was going to be bird. I thought it was too. I thought it was going to be bird like an hour ago. <laughs> Actually like 15 minutes ago. I thought it was going to be bird. Oh <laughs> uh, dude, this is funny. So, you just, uh, you have, that's four, right? I have one left. Okay. And uh, I don't know. Talk amongst yourselves while I look through the list. <laughs> I can tell you what I thought your top five was going to be. Well, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad it's not what you thought it was. So that's. Um, I'm trying to think here. Please, I've talked too much. Yeah, there's. Um... God, well, I don't want to um, make your ideas. I don't want to. What do you call it? Uh, infiltrate your brain. Um, I don't want to lead you into a direction, but I did think that um, Bird, Deep Red, and Tenebrae were all going to be in your top five. I did think that. I, I understand why you would say that, and that's because I've always been a huge Argento kind of fanboy. Yeah. And that's fine, but... Yeah. I, but but the, I think the point here is that Jesus Christ, people, leave me alone. I think the point here is that we we're going back four years since we started talking about these films on a regular basis, and I've learned a lot about what I like and what's you know the the fact that Argento isn't the be all end all. You know, it's 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 important for everybody to recognize what Bird with the Crystal Plumage brought to the table because of how original it was at the time. Um, well, I mean, not only that, but the fact that most people cite that is the beginning of the Golden Age and Deep Red is the end. Yeah, no, right. You know? Like, just bookends. The idea that that's how that is is fucking bonkers. Yeah, no, it's true. And you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna expand out uh, and say that Bava kind of was really the originator with his girl, the girl who knew too much, and Blood and Black Lace. Oh, Blood and Black Lace, man! And that's such a great film, and it's not gonna be the last one that we're talking about. It's not going to be, it's going to be in my top 10, but it's not in my top five. Yeah. Blood and black lace is in my top 10. And, and, and I think it, it, and we're quibbling and we're, and we're grasping at straws here, but I think there's a distinction between your favorites and the quintessential, right? 
And do, yeah. you have to you have to let me know if you agree with this or not because we're talking about quintessential giallo. If you're trying to write an encyclopedia that describes the history of Italian cinema as it applies to the filone of the giallo, you have to mention Blood and Black Lace, and you have to mention Girl Who Knew Too Much, and you have to mention Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, and now you only got two more films left. In the yeah. But what we're talking about here is our favorite. So, sorry, I'm eating a pretzel. No, you're good, man. So, where's what's my last one? I still don't fucking know. I mean, it's going to come to me when I look through the list, but uh, let's see here. It's not Four Flies. It's not Who Saw Her Die. It's not Don't Torture a Duckling. It's not Tenebrae. It's not The Iguana with the Tongue of Fire. It's not. It might be Solange, but I'm going to keep going. It's not Red Queen. It's not Bird. It's not Blood Seven Blood Teen Orchids. It's not Torso. Um, shit, man. Now, an honorable mention might be Forbidden Photos. But that's primarily because of the soundtrack. Well, we'll keep going. Black, <coughs> back, Black Belly, which is... Here's a testament to the podcast, right? I didn't like Black Belly. And now I think it's awesome. So, Well, I... Before the podcast, I wouldn't have had that near a top five. Yeah, but I wouldn't have had Bay of Blood in it either. So right, right, exactly. But I mean, I think one of the things that everybody said was, if you do this podcast, you're going to realize that um, strip nude and eyeball are shit movies. <laughs> and that didn't happen. No, it didn't. It fucking didn't. <laughs> And one of the other things that I want, I want to um, take note of was that we we did it, we did something really cool, which was we diverged a little bit from time to time, and we talked about um, pieces. We talked yeah. about Happy Birthday to Me. We talked about Frenzy. Um, ultimately, the bat. We're, the bat, right? We were yeah. we were originally going to add. Uh, ultimately, we were going to add. Um, Dressed to Kill, I think, to that list. Oh, we never yeah. got to it. Um, That's really good. Yeah. But I've gone through the whole list now. On, um, and I think that I don't really have an answer. Oh. See, really- the last one was hard for me. Like I had like like another five I could have picked from. <laughs> Remember So Sweet, So Dead? That was a great one. That, that yeah. one... Also, another film with um, the 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 guy from Rope who was in a muck. What the fuck? I can't remember his name now. Harley Granger. Yeah, Harley Granger. He was the detective. Farley. Farley. I'm sorry. Yeah. Farley. <laughs> Again, it's the bourbon. Uh, I think I have to pick a Sergio Martino film, and I think it's going to be Strange Vice. Okay. See, here's the thing. My, the other two that I thought you were going to pick was Strange Vice and Solange. Yeah, either Solange or Strange Vice, right. 
Okay. So that worked out. You were close. You were close. Not one. But Case of the Scorpion's Tale is a little bit more of quintessential, like, standard Jalo format. So, you know, if my criteria for favorites is how, you know, how how conventional Jolly is it, um, then Scorpion's Tale is, is different. But um, Edwidge is not in Scorpion's Tale. Yeah, <laughs> so there, hard to do. So there it is. <laughs> There's your answer. What's the chick in that? Uh, the girl with the bad boob the job. Girl with the bad boob job. Um, Silver face, burger head. Well, well, the it, the funny thing is the girl who plays Suzanne in the film that we just talked about tonight is in Case of the Scorpion's Tale, but she gets killed within the first 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, he's the one. Strange burger. Strange burger. Anina Strangeberg. There you go. Yeah. But remember, <laughs> remember. In case of the Scorpion's Tale, so the the wife of the pilot, there's a scene where they throw this little toy airplane <laughs> and it blows up. And the next thing you know, she's going to Greece to pick up her million dollars that was given her from the insurance company. And then George Hilton is investigating and Anita Strangeberger is the um is the is the reporter. And eventually, and, and that's a good film. I mean, I really enjoyed that one. So, yeah. but I think Strange Vice has to be in my list because um, Sergio Martino did a great job, and um, it's got George Hilton, it's got Edwidge, um, it's got all those twists and turns, and it's really a, very it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 very similar to uh, Sweet Body of Deborah in that at the end there's a few different twists, but I really like you know what they did with um, the suicide because again it was there was another suicide faking the suicide thing. Yeah, we're making it look like it was a suicide, but it's really a murder. And um, what's his name? The guy that you mentioned a couple of times, Ivan Ravamovic. Yeah, Ivan Ramazakov. <laughs> Uh, he puts the ice cube on the latch of the window. Yeah, that shit is awesome, dude. But the dumb part is, how did the cops know to put the resurrected Edwidge on the road that they assumed these two guys would be driving on? Like, it was the most fucking ridiculous shit ever. <laughs> You're right about that. But that's why it's so great. Um, I thought another, well, for me, another honorable mention. What the fuck? What happened? Do you see that? No, no, I missed it. I was, There's like red flashing lights. I was looking at something else. I thought there was a fire, but I guess it's a car, like a ambulance or a tow truck or something. Um, but torso would be an honorable mention for me. Totally. Um, what about um, House of the Laughing Windows? And torso is a Sergio Martino film. A lot of people. Are, I, all right, I'm not going to say a lot of people. That's a ridiculous thing to say. I specifically <laughs> keep forgetting that. Like when I think of Martino, I think of Mrs. Ward, All the Colors of the Dark, fucking Scorpion's Tail. 
your 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 vice is a locked room. I think of all those, and I forget that torso. Well, torso was the first movie of his that I saw. Oh, really? So yeah, and I saw that like before I knew that Jalo was a thing, like that Tenebrae. Um, that's actually probably it. Those were the. Those were them. And, and, and we need to just reiterate for anybody who doesn't realize this, that if you take Torso and you take Bay of Blood, those two films influenced just about every film that came every out. Slasher America, movie. Every slasher movie in America that ever came out. Yeah. Um, because Torso is such a fantastic slasher film, even though it doesn't know that it, that it is. You yeah. Know? Um, and the music is good and, and, and just, I, I don't know. You could go back. I could go back and watch torso and decide that it's in my top five Yeah, and move a muck out, you know, <laughs> but right now a muck is right in there. <laughs> I have to put a little asterisk next to a muck because I think a muck might be moving out quickly. That's the great thing about top fives. You know, if you're talking about top 10, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're kind of committing when you're yeah. in the top 10. But when you're doing a top five, it's like all bets are off. Yeah. Just kind of changes from one day to the, <laughs> to the next. <laughs> but Torso is a good one. Um, honorable mentions for me. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned Torso. What was your other honorable mention? Um, probably uh, Black Belly of the Tarantula. Mm. And um, yeah. death walks in high heels. Ooh, and you know it's funny. Um, and sister Ursula. <laughs> I, I won't even go there. Um, it's funny because the uh, Luciano Ercoli, I think, is the guy's name, who directed Death Walks on High Heels and Death Walks at Midnight. Death Walks on High Heels is fucking awesome, and Death Walks at Midnight, I hated. I didn't hate it, and it made me mad that I didn't like it more, because the weapon in yeah. it was so bitchin'. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like that like that, that little spike, like... Uh, the gauntlet with the fucking weapon. spikes. The fist weapon. Yeah. They don't even have fist weapons in World of Warcraft anymore. They got rid of them. <laughs> they may still have them in Dungeons and Dragons, but they don't have them in World of Warcraft. But yeah, the, it, it, when I remember watching a documentary, so the guy who wrote the book called Blood and Black Lace, his name's Adrian Luther Smith. It was the first piece of literature that I ever bought that was related specifically to Jolly. Um, I remember him doing some sort of supplement on one of these DVDs about Jalo. And it wasn't, I think it was, so, so anchor Bay, if you remember anchor Bay was one of those old distributors that put out some of these films that nobody had ever heard of before. Um, They put out a four pack of Jalo and the, and the four pack was case of the bloody Iris short night of glass dolls, who saw her die and the bloodstained shadow? I don't know why I'm so 
clear on remembering. Like all you can't words. remember what day it is, but you know exactly <laughs> what movies those are. Exactly. Uh, so those four DVDs were in a four pack, and I remember buying them. And at one of those, Adrian Luther Smith was in a supplement where he was talking about this is the genre of Jalo, and they were they were doing clips from Death Walks at Midnight, and I remember seeing that fist weapon. And the smashing in the woman's face and the the whole thing about her being on some sort of weird hallucinogenic acid drug. And I'm like, dude, I got to see this movie. And when I saw it, I'm like, eh, it's all right. But that that was one of those movies that like the poster I had seen forever, but had never been able to find the movie. And the fist is on the poster. Yes. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's going to be the best movie of all time. <laughs> um, I think my expectations were just too high for it. Yeah, I think so. And, and that's what's funny about it. And and Ercole did one other film, and it was The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. That's pretty good, yeah. Which wins, which wins on my top five of film titles. So let's let's do that because what the fuck do you do you have a reason to 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 to, to say hey this is it's too late I've got to stop doing it. <laughs> no I'm good for a little bit yeah um, best <laughs> top title. five film titles of Jalo oh shit let's let's do it for fun why not well I think one of them and I'm gonna probably say it wrong but um is like, what are these strange drops of blood all over Jennifer's body? Like, whatever the <laughs> fuck that title was. I can't remember what it was. That was but... the alternate title for yeah. the book. Case of the Bloody Iris, yeah. But I can't remember exactly how it was said. What are those strange drops of blood on Jennifer's body or some something like that, yes. Yeah, that, I mean, that has to be, like, one of the best titles ever. Yes. Um, let me see. Five Dolls for an August Moon is a good title, too. Yep. Um, strip Nude for Your Killer. Basically, if you just go down the list of the movies I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same top five. <laughs> Black Billy the Tarantula is a good title. Um. Oh, shit. I think they should have called Sister of Ursula the wooden dildo killer or something <laughs> like that. But um I think Twitch of the Death Nerve is a better title than Be at Bay of Blood. Yes, but, but it Blood and Black Lace. Blood and Black Lace is classy. Yeah. The thing about Twitch of the Death Nerve is it has nothing to do with the film. Yeah. Like, Bay of Blood makes sense because it has to do with the bay. The bay. The bay. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not a fan of Argento's titles. Nah. Four Flies on Gray Velvet 
is a better title than the movie is a movie. <laughs> I'll say that. You suck, dude. <laughs> dude, uh, listen. If you ever, it, it, before you get to the end of your life, right? If you get an opportunity to, to watch Four Flies on the big screen, I think it will change a little bit of your preference. I don't know. That just means Mimsy Farmer is going to be bigger. <laughs> yes. And, and I understand that because Mimsy Farmer is not fun to watch. The good news about Four Flies, for those who have never seen it, is that Mimsy Farmer is not really the central character. She's not in it a lot. Um, it seems like she should be, I don't know, like a professor in a Harry Potter movie or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe like... Um, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Trelawney, the 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 uh, the woman who does the um, the the fortune telling in Harry Potter, whatever the fuck her name is, something Trelawney. Uh, what are some House of the Laughing Windows is a great title. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right, so. Do you have any? So, so my, so my top five um, titles. Um, the first one I, I'm going to mention is a dragonfly for each corpse. That's really good. It's a great title, <laughs> and it's not a bad movie either. <laughs> if you remember, we covered that one, and there's a scene where the guy who the cops are after runs away and gets on a roller coaster. <laughs> Is that the one that starts off with him, like throwing like a bottle of acid on some chick's face? No, no, that's um, the iguana with the tongue of fire. That's right. Yeah. Which is also a great title, which is a great title. I have that written down. Iguana with the tongue of fire, but Dragonfly for each corpse, the guy gets on the roller coaster to try to escape the cops and doesn't understand that eventually the roller coaster will event, will come back to will come back. <laughs> Fucking great. But it doesn't even come back because they shoot him. What he gets out of the car of the roller coaster and is you know, I, I guess he's crawling along the, the tracks at the top and they shoot him and he falls down. So Dragonfly for each corpse. Um your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Is That's almost too much. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like I it's it's so extravagant. Yeah. The title that it's got to be one of the best. Like they're like the people at the movie houses are like, shit, we got to put this on the fucking marquee. <laughs> right. The guy, you know, standing on the ladder who has to put you know, the title on the, on the marquee. It's like, motherfucker. What is the name of this thing again? You're We're out of ease. We can't do this. Give me some threes. <laughs> uh, uh, the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. That's a great title. I like Seven Bloodstained Orchids, too. Yeah. You like that better than the movie. Yeah. The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. Mm. That's a title and a half. It's a terrible movie. What? 
it, it, it's funny how we we have our preferences. I would any day of the week prefer to watch Seven Bloodstained Orchids compared to the night Evelyn came out of the grave. What was the um, motherfucker? <laughs> What was the movie where um, George Hilton played like Poirot and he like got everyone together at the end of the movie? To oh, explain... uh, my dear killer, my dear killer. Yeah, it's not a good title. It's, it's um, not a good title, but a, a a great jolly if you if you like your jolly uh, very serious and very calculated. It was like the closest thing to like a cozy mystery. Yeah. Like, uh, if there was an Agatha Christie yes. type. And, and um, the, the only George Hilton film, other than the one we just talked about, where he has a mustache. Yeah. Uh, Lizard and Woman Skins, a good title. A good title. Uh, of the Tarantula is a great title. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have. And igua- the iguana with a tongue of fire. Wasn't there that Spanish one, like Blue Eyes of the Broken Dolls or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's the other. Um, that's the Nashy. other. Yeah, Paul Nashy film. From yeah. Dragonfly for Each Corpse and Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Did we do those on the same episode? We did. We had a Nashy yeah. episode. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we we dude, we we really you know we really broke some ground you know yeah we we pretty much fucked this thing to death. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really not possible to conceive of how much ground we've covered over the past four years until you go back and start listening to every episode. Yeah, I got to unlock all those, dude. And, and, yeah, I think so. And I think that if we were to ever have another um, opportunity to get together and talk about the podcast or have another podcast where we talk together, it might be cool to talk about our favorite episodes of Chow Chow. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily our favorite films. If you go, that would be that would go that would be us going back and listening, listening to all the all the previous yeah. podcasts, the ones with Eric and the ones without Eric, and deciding which ones were our favorite. Because sometimes it really has nothing to do with the film and has more to do with all the other bullshit that we were talking about. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> True, true, true. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's sad. Um, but yeah, like... <laughs> so I was going to do this, ready? Um, right? Okay. in the oh my God. This isn't even in tune. Well, there's a tune to the tune the tune to the tune to the tune to the tune to the tune 
I hate Green Day. I don't hate Green Day, but I hate you don't hate Green Day. I don't hate Green Day, and I hate that song because every they usually year, play it during the Super Bowl. They play it when any TV show is on its last episode. So I figured it was apropos to play it and then make it. It usually is played over a clip show. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> well, and, and for for everybody that's that's listening at home, if you're still with us, <laughs> um, we talked about doing a clip show, but there's way too much work involved in that. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go through, we'd have to go through all the episodes and, and pick out some stuff. But I guarantee that if the effort was put into doing that, that it would be fun. That you yeah. would, that it would be, that would, it would be like a series because I think like you could take like one clip show and only have like three episodes worth of shit in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes. So, so yeah. Well, I mean, whatever you're going to do next, dude, like, I mean, I have no problem coming in, you know, whenever, if you ever wanted to have me on, but, um, so just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will. And, and I think that when I get to the point where I find a film that is specifically geared towards your flavor of giallo that I will let you know. Yeah, for Whether, real. You know, if it's like another one of those weird kind of trashy watch it, man. Um wooden dildo <laughs> film. Highbrow. <laughs> yeah. Very highbrow. Yeah. I really appreciate the lighting and for the people that are just listening to the audio it doesn't matter, but the lighting that I have right here in my in my room makes my teeth look whiter than they really are. And, uh, that's yeah, they're glowing. Yeah. That's great because they're not, they're very, it looks looks like you have some like white strips on those fuckers. (laughs) I wish, I wish that were true. I'm going to, I'm going to take a screen grab and throw it on Tinder. All right. (laughs) See my white teeth and I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to grow a beard. Did you, anybody notice this? It's going to take you. Anybody, yeah, anybody who knows me, who has spent any time with me in person, knows that um, I can't grow facial hair at any sort of kind of like consistent pace. So, what happened was we had some snow um, last week, and for whatever reason, I didn't shave for a few days, and all of a sudden, I started to grow some hair on either side of my face and I had already gotten someone on my chin and I said, you know what? And, and Oh, I know what it was. My daughter said, daddy, why don't you just let it grow and shave your head and grow a beard? And I said, okay, so we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I made the commitment to not shave until my birthday, which is in the middle of April. And for most people like you, for example, or anybody else that I know, that would mean that you'd have a beard down to fucking. <laughs> I was just gonna say, is it gonna be like a little different? Like you want to be able. It's to not gonna be any different than what you're seeing now. It's gonna be a little bit different. <laughs> and we're talking about like, uh, three three weeks from now. That's but hysterical. I will post a picture. 
<laughs> uh, this has nothing to do with Jallo. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, th- th- this is where we where we're ending the, the evening. Um, I was going to get a beer at one point, and you know, I just end up just drinking a bunch of bourbon, and I'm kind of half drunk right now, and it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, the, the original episodes, if you go back and listen to episode five or six of Chow Chow, um, Creep was pouring these J&Bs. And Dude, I was getting so fucked up. You were, you were getting sloshed, but not yeah. only were you getting sloshed on J&B, but you were drinking like triple espresso cappuccinos at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, you had like the caffeine in one hand, and you had the bur- and the, the the whiskey in the other hand. Oh yeah, I totally was, dude. <laughs> oh, those were the good old days, man. After like driving shit still at night, it's like, <clears throat> and like Eric was the voice of reason. Yeah, trying to like corral the two of us into like keeping to some sort of well, I'm going to try to make sure that at least the podcast episodes themselves are on the website. I don't know what the fuck iTunes is going to do, but I'll try to make sure that I go back and make all the episodes available. Um, but this has been a really fun trip. And it, like, if you remember like a year and a half, maybe two years ago now, um, I was trying to do the whole like chow chow network to kind of make this more of a, was that two uh, years ago? It seems like it. Yeah. I think it was. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, you know, creep had this inspirational idea to just expand chow chow beyond Jallo and incorporate, you know, spaghetti Westerns and Policio Tesco and, sexy comedy and well i wanted to like you were gonna put a fantasy like basically like my like my life like kind of like i don't do anything other than chow chow network kind of thing you know right um and that just did you realize that only 10 people were interested yeah i'm like wow Maybe four other guys are like the only ones who actually give a shit about all this. Um, It it made me really notice how small the market was. And um, so, yeah, so that was kind of, you don't have a day job, you know, like you, you, you gotta, you can't really, you do that. I mean, I was doing cannibal movies. I was doing um, round tables. Oh, the round tables are so much fun. Yeah. I didn't I didn't get in on the round tables because I think they happened on weekends when I had kids. They were on weekends and I think we only did two or three. Yeah. And then I was trying to get other people to just do them without me. <laughs> and um that didn't happen. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean, like, you know, there there's there's like you know, like I said before, you know, what if if I decide or when I decide to do something to kind of, to kind of move forward with this, right, baby. to, 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 um, to take it to the next level or whatever, or to, to, to continue on, you know, there's, there's some people on the, on the uh, Facebook group that will definitely be able to contribute um, to the discussion. Yeah. And, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to petition those guys um and and see you know who's interested in doing stuff but again uh and we talked about this a few hours ago but you know i i don't want to 
just put out a new podcast that takes that the, you know, that picks up where we're leaving off. Yeah. Um, because I don't think we can, I think we have to go back and start over, which is fine. And I mean, honestly, in like a year or something, I might want to get back to doing this. You know, yeah. it's just at the moment now it's, it's more of a job than it's a fun hobby. And, 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 and you have it to, to paraphrase the French carte blanche <laughs> to come back. I don't even know what that fucking means. I just know it to say it. It means you could fucking do it. Yeah. You can come back at any time. Yeah. You can tap me on the shoulder, like in, in three weeks and say, uh, I was a fool. Uh, Jalo Chow Chow is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I don't know what I what, what I was talking about. Let's get back to it. Let's do the episode seventy two, and I will say you're right. I, I can't believe it's taking you this long to discover this. And I'm ready. Uh, let's go to Murder Rock, which is a terrible yeah. fucking movie, by the way. I tried to watch it four times. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, acquired. An acquired taste. Like I, mean, I thought, I thought taste Murder Rock was going to be great because it was going to be bad, but it's bad, and it's not good. It's not so bad. It's good. It's just bad. It's because it's like eighties. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think like eighties American bad slasher is fun, right? But eighties slashery Italian isn't as fun. No, I don't know what it is. And, and you know, we both liked watching Mach- Washing Machine, but that was a '90s film, so yeah. Um, but like Stage Fright isn't fun. Uh, stage, it, fright. it's, it's I would a, Stage Fright over <laughs> Murder Rock a thousand. Well, miles. yeah, but I mean, it's not fun, and like um, Bizarre <laughs> is not fun. <laughs> Bizarre is. I think Italian films took themselves way too seriously in the eighties. But is but is bizarre and even an Italian film? I don't even know. Yeah, it is okay. It better be. It feels like to me a bad French movie. The anomaly of everything (laughs) we've ever done since 2013 December is bizarre. <laughs> it feels to me like that does not fit in with anything that are relatable to anything else that we've done because it's just it's like half porn, half eighties like lingerie video. Oh, the bloodsucker leads the dance. That's another great title. That's a terrible fucking. That's a good. It's a good title. Good what title. was the other title for Slaughter Hotel? Oh, uh, Cold Blooded Beast. Cold-blooded beast. That's right. He's a Paul Abdul. He's a yeah. cold-blooded that's not beast. A good title. Look into his eyes. You know it's time to end the podcast for, for Paul Abdul. You talking about Paul Abdul? All right, everybody. It's been real. It's been fun, and it's also been real fun. <laughs> So, uh, ciao, ciao for now, everybody. Uh, This is the point in the post-production where I fade in 
the uh, kid singing of Bay of Blood. Yeah, you could do that. Everybody, uh, this has been the most, probably the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. So, oh, um, I, I will see you guys on the other side. Hopefully, we'll continue to talk about Jalo and yeah, and Creep will will be back. Yeah, in, in some other manifestation. Um, yes. But for now, um, let us all just. Uh, take a moment of silence and take your forties and and spill a, a little bit on the on the ground for the homies. Um, Burjalo Chow Chow episode seventy one, which is not only the last episode but also the episode where we talked about the sweet body of Deborah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Chow Chow. Chow Chow.